the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello, welcome to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host for today, Donnie Mosier. Um, Heather is out. Um, she evidently went on the road chasing Dave Ramsey, trying to show him how to do finance. So we'll see what happens when she gets back. Um, she is a financial guru. Welcome to the show today. We are brought to you by the Matthews Hope Detox and Recovery Program. Matthews Hope is a unique detox for substance abuse disorder. Where they are located inside of the St. Joseph's Hospital, downtown Houston. They are a 10 to 14 day detox, followed up with 24 months of free aftercare and recovery coaching. So if you or a loved one or an unloved one, because let's face it, at times I was an unloved one, um, need information about Matthew's Hope, please give them a call at 844-AND-HOPE. That is 844-263-4673. Or you can visit the website at www.mhdrp.org. For more information, you can listen to us as well on KPRC AM 950, Sundays at 1 p.m. Central. If you are picking us up maybe from a podcast, whatever, and you're wanting to hear us live on Sundays, you can pick us up on the iHeartRadio app. KPRC 950 has a channel where you can listen to us live. And as I'm always saying, at the end of our show, they upload it every Sunday into our podcast on iHeartRadio, which is the Relevant Recovery Radio uh, please do follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, Heather controls that. I have no idea what you're saying, what you're looking at, or what you're doing. I avoid social media like the plague. I just don't have the ability. Um, so please do reach out. If you ever have questions, comments, you want us to cover a specific topic on the show, we would love to hear about it. Um, so Today in studio, I have one of my closest friends in the world. Um, I would like to introduce you to Jason. Good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to be here. So I appreciate this is, the invitation. This is Jason's first time to do radio, right? For sure. Yeah. yeah. So this and is, I have to be honest, like I actually have never listened to the show. Oh, that's fantastic. Just want to be full disclosure. Yeah, no, no. So one of my closest friends who's never <laughs> listened to the show, if that's not, I love that. I honestly love honest. that. Yeah, yeah. So today, uh, we're going to talk a bit about your recovery journey, kind of what you're going through, this and that. Um, but first, let's start off with um, you and your girl got a new baby. Yes, eight month old, or she's nine months now. Nine that months just, that just happened. Yeah, uh, her name's Hunter. Beautiful baby girl. Yeah, a blessing. You know, handful but a blessing. Yep, lives here. They live here in Houston, and um, yeah, it's been a really cool. Our relationship, sort of the the journey we've been on together, has been pretty fun and amazing. Definitely, yeah. And um, one of the things that we frequently talk about, which we'll probably talk about here today a little bit, is that we compare notes at work. <laughs> How is our spiritual walk, and do we leave it at the door when we walk into work? Quite often, I do. Very challenging. Very challenging. <laughs> right. So. 
Is this your first time sober? Negative. No. I mean, I've been I've been in and out since I was 19. So it's and, been. And how old are you today? I am 39, about to be 40. Okay. In, you know, month and a half. So it's been a 20 year journey. Correct. 17 years of the battle. Right? Yeah. So if I look back to when it really started, to what I'm doing now, and since I cleaned up in the last two years, yeah. And, and you are a little over two years sober. Correct. Okay. All right. Which I want to hit on that today because there is a stark difference in my mind between year one and year two, you know? For sure. I mean, well, obviously early sobriety is challenging. It has yeah. its own challenges, especially when you're originally going through the steps. So for me, it was the first, you know, 45 days. I mean, we right. went hard. And, you know, getting to the amends process and making some of those amends and, and, and going through uh, just trying to repair the damage, you know, yeah. um, that's what I remember the most. The rest of it was, to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to make it. Yeah. You know, there was, in my mind, 0% chance that I was going to stay sober. Well, I mean, yeah. and after that long of a journey, let, let me ask you this. Did you have a rough upbringing? No. I Did mean, one of your parents kill the other parent? <laughs> no. Were you Actually, ever trafficked or anything crazy? No, I had a beautiful childhood. Yeah. You know, I mean, one of one of the earliest, and this is one thing I was going to to point out when I'm talking about like my story and, and what has happened. Uh, I distinctly remember, you know, having a beautiful childhood. Everything was perfect. We were living mm -hmm. overseas. You know, my old man did very well. So we had everything we needed. Yeah. Just happy family to, in my eyes. Right. And then just completely uh, sidelined with the, the divorce of my parents, right? So I remember that distinctly. I remember feeling all these negative emotions and, and just telling myself, you know what? I'm not going to deal. I'm yeah. not going to worry about it. I'm just going to do me and we're going to live life. Whatever makes me feel good. Was that like, I'm going to check out or I'm just not going to worry about it? A little bit of both. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, and so that for me, it just when I look back, it's like that's kind of the start of me just doing whatever I wanted to do to feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously that led to like the drugs and the alcohol. Um, well, and, and what I love to point out, and the reason I asked that, of course, I know your upbringing, we've yeah. talked about it, is there seems to be this idea that alcoholism or drug addiction is brought on by some sort of a trauma. No, I mean, not for me. I mean, it was right. years and years later that, that things got serious. Right. It was just, you know, I know for me it was about you know, that mental obsession and the allergy, like I recognize that in my early drinking, like the yeah. first time I ever even came across alcohol, or had the ability to, it was, you know, we were on a spring break. My mom went to the grocery store, left half a glass of wine. And it wasn't like I just tried it and stopped. It was like, I just kept chugging. Yeah. And, and so what we have found, um, is that in the fellowship, there may be some people that had a trauma. We're not saying it doesn't happen. Yeah. But we're not able to look at alcoholism and drug addiction as in, here's where it started. This is what happened to you. It's just that uh, about 9% of the global population has this gene, has this thing. Yeah. There's nothing right? specific. Nothing. So uh, I love it. So what we want to cover today is we're going to cover a little bit of your early tries at this and going into your sobriety. And um, yeah, it's going to be a great story today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back while we hunt for Heather.
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your host, Donnie Mosier. Heather is out today. Um, I thought she was chasing Dave Ramsey down to teach him about finances and financial responsibility, but it turns out uh, she's chasing somebody down for having to change her calendar. Uh, <laughs> evidently, she had to make a calendar change. She doesn't like to do that, and uh, she's chasing... I don't know. It's I mean, weird. It. It's always something going on with her, right? Uh, Makes just, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for those who don't know why I'm joking about that, um, Heather, once she puts something in her calendar, it's as if the finger of God has come down and etched it into stone. Do not change her schedule. I mean, I like that philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's pick it back up. So you had a great upbringing. Parents are good. Everything was good. You just, you got this illness, right? Yeah. Tell me briefly about your first attempts at sobriety and, and what do you think, where do you think you, you you missed it or misstepped or what, what happened? What do you think the deal was? For sure. So, I mean, that actually is a good story because I went into my first treatment center assuming that I was just a drug addict, right? Mm-hmm. So my cousin introduced me to Dilaudid and morphine at like 19. I've heard that Dilaudid is Dilaudid full. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously there are some downfalls, right? Yeah. Physical addiction was one of them. It's, so is it, it's an opiate, right? Yes. Okay. It's a synthetic heroin, basically. Okay. And so like that was my first real experience with detox, you know, um, and it happened very quickly for me. So my uncle came in town and saw the state that I was in and took me to rehab immediately. But when I went there, the idea was, okay, I just got to get rid of the drugs. Mm-hmm. Like that's the problem. Yeah. It's not my drinking. That's the issue. Right. This and is just a physical addiction to a pill. I just need to get that, get through it and move on. Correct. And the same, my family had the same idea, yeah. right? <laughs> my yeah. dad, the first time I saw him on family weekend, he was like, you're still gonna be able to drink, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so we went and stayed at a hotel on this family weekend in a break while I was technically in treatment. And uh, the reason I'm telling this story, you'll get the point here in a second, but I went to get some cigarettes, and mm-hmm. they told me they didn't have cigarettes at the hotel, so I had to go down to this bar. So I went down to the bar, got cigarettes, and immediately, you know, this girl asked me if I wanted a shot, and game on. Right. And right. so I blacked because, out. Because alcohol wasn't the problem in exactly. your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I take a couple shots, and that's the last thing technically I remember until the next morning I got w- woken up by the cops. Uh, apparently I just blacked out there, couldn't find my way back to the hotel and was just jiggling handles in this apartment <laughs> complex to get a place to sleep. So I, one was open. I went in, stripped down to my boxers, passed out on his couch. But it wasn't your place. Not my place. <laughs> and so anyway, the cops wake me up the next day. The reason I bring that story up is because at the time I didn't think I was an alcoholic. Right. So right. that was the first real experience where it was like, this is potentially an issue. Right. Um, so, yeah, so it really woke me up to realize, like, hey, this might be an issue, but mm-hmm. I still didn't accept it. You know, I was just like, oh, I hadn't drank in a while. You know, I got blackout because my tolerance was low. Right, right, so, right. Yeah. It's it's hard to have that realization. So as human beings, we have this core idea that I can just beat this, mm-hmm. right? I can do it. Yeah. And, and And you go into that thinking, okay, the problem is a physical addiction to these opiates, but alcohol I'm good with. Yeah. I just like to have a good time. Yeah. You know, I drink like other people, you know, it's social and it's acceptable and you can control it. You know, the, the pills were too much. Right. Right. So it was a all holistic, you know, don't, no dairy, no wheat, no sugar, you know. Because diet, diet will fix it. <laughs> yeah. Really hippie, you know, rehab. So yeah. it was six weeks, I went through it and, you know, stayed 
sober for maybe, well, obviously I didn't because I drank during, during, while I was in treatment. I had to go back to treatment actually after that. <laughs> we never brought it up and I had like a big ass scratch on my face. Anyway. Do, do you think it was because you just weren't convinced? I wasn't ready, man. I, I gotcha. Mean, I, was, I, I was 19 or 20 at the time. Mm-hmm. Probably 20, no, I was probably 20 at the time. And uh, there was just no way I was ready for that. So, I mean, I get it. I went to rehab for a year when I was 15, 15 and a half. Yeah. 1987. Um, I wasn't an alcoholic yet. My parents just yeah. didn't know what to do with me. Yeah, I mean, know? I wasn't drinking every day at that point. You know, yeah. we were binge drinking. It was, you know, access was an issue. Yeah. So, so you get out. So what age are you at this time approximately? 20. 20? Yeah. So what, what, what comes next for you? So I got out of that treatment center, um, immediately started, you know, drinking and using again when I had the opportunity within like six months. Mm-hmm. So then I ended up going to another rehab facility, state run, uh, in Flagstaff, Arizona, 30 day, 28 day program. Um, once again, I was just doing it to kind of appease the people around me mm-hmm. and get the heat off you. Yeah. And uh, immediately, like I met a, met a girl when I was in treatment one thing led to another the night i got out we were rehab romances are a real thing consistent in my story as well you know and the insanity is is that rehab romances are real even if one of those people or both of them are married this is just (laughs) what happens out there so yes so that happened and you know i didn't really use much during that time and some cocaine here and there but it was mainly just drinking I and, never liked cocaine, but it smelled really good. Well, you, you can know? continue to drink too. That, that was, one was of the my benefits. thing. Yeah. And, you know, in my mind, because, you know, I was, you know, an IV user early. So as long as I wasn't, you know, banging it, life was good. You know, yeah. it was under control. But, ah, you know so I mean? the different ways we will find <laughs> yeah. to control it. So if I'm not putting it in a needle, I'm just snorting it. Totally okay. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah. So that was my mentality. And, you know, yeah, I mean, that's... What was the result of that run? <laughs> well, I ended up moving to Breckenridge with my uncle to get into fractional and timeshare. So and so it's what we call it. Was it a, a true geographical or just an opportunity? Just an opportunity, really. Okay. Like, at the time, I still had no desire to stop, really. Ah, okay, so you're just moving. Yeah, we're just okay. moving. And uh, I remember... We were in Breckenridge for about a month or so. Which, by the way, from what I hear, I don't know a lot about the area, Keystone, Breckenridge, all of the resorts... Not a place to try and control it. No. No. I mean, it was, especially all the tourists coming in for the week. You know, I worked in the resort industry, so it was, hey, where do we go party? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going here. You You were essentially being paid to party. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And I was a concierge, so I only worked like three to nine p.m. shifts, and we always, it doesn't. It sounds rough. It was tough, for sure. (laughs) So, uh, you know, my lifestyle was chaos. And eventually, you know, we were moving from the resort to a condo in Breckenridge, and my uncle went to pick up a suitcase, and I had stuffed it with bottles. So he's like, you need to go to a meeting, you know. Now, is this the same uncle that saw you messed up around 20? Correct. So Correct. so he— He had been sober for about 14 years at the time. Oh, wow. So he recognizes. He knows you. He knows the potential, like, he's seeing 100%. this. So yeah. he's trying to help. What was your response to that? I said, you know, I'll go to a meeting. Yeah. You know, and I actually went and, you know, met a guy my age and, uh, you know, started working a 12-step program and, uh, you know, obviously completely half-assed. But, you know, we did start 
you know, working through the steps and, and working, you know, a, a program of some sort, you know. What, um, how committed were you? How convinced were you? At the time, we went through it. We never really did inventory. We just talked about all this stuff. So we were talking recovery, but really what we were doing is we were chasing women. We would go out to okay. the bar, stay sober, and it was actually semi-easier. To- so you're kind of going through the, the motions of going through the steps. Correct. And I just happened to have a sober friend my age, and you know we hung out and you know, party, but not drinking, right? So we were mm-hmm. staying sober, but we were just taking advantage of... You, the situation. You got away from the alcohol and found another outlet. Correct. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. And you, but you still weren't really convinced that you were like, I don't have an option left or were you getting there? No, I still thought I had options, right? Yeah. Like I thought it was a good idea that I stayed sober because, you know, I felt like I had more control over my life and like mm-hmm. the direction. And obviously, uh, you know, I was clear minded, which was good. But at the time, you know, temptation was all over. And what, what age were you at this point? What? 21, 22, probably 22. Oh, so this happened fairly quick. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. this was, yeah. okay. This wasn't like years later. This no, was, this is, this is early. Okay. So you're talking two rehabs in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it was quick. And so how long did this up and down last? That lasted about five years. About five years. Until okay. I was so 25, 26. And then hit the fan again. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, listen, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back and hear the rest of uh, Jason's up and ups and downs. We'll also see if we can get a Where's Heather report uh, <laughs> on this Relevant Recovery Radio. Be right back. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. Um, the beauty of Heather not being here is that I can come into my intro any way I want, and I get no dirty looks across the console. This is so fantastic. I think Will is enjoying the show better today, our producer Will. So uh, I just want to remind everybody that we are here. We are sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. If you or a loved one are suffering from substance abuse disorder, you think they may be, you think they need some help, anything you need when it comes to substance abuse disorder, give them a call at 844-AND-HOPE, or that's 844-263-4673. You can also get them at www.mhdrp.org. That's Matthews Hope Detox Recovery Program.org. Um, and they'll, they'll help you out. So now we're looking at some huge struggle early in your life, Jason. Like there's, by the time you're 20 in your first rehab, 22 in your second rehab, I mean, you're, you're displaying an inability to drink like a normal person fairly early. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was an issue. I just still thought that, you know, I could tone it down, moderate, you know, whatever, stay off the hard stuff, whatever Mm -hmm. excuses I can come up with. And, you know, during that time in Breckenridge, those five years, things progressively got worse mm-hmm. to the point where I was back doing the same old things. Mm-hmm. And eventually it you know, came to a head. So uh, I took off and went to a treatment center in Aspen. Oh, it's Carbondale, Colorado, basically. 12-step program, 90 days, all male, which no. was important at the time. No, I'm imagining a rehab in Aspen. Oh, it was, it was nice. Tennis, <laughs> horseback riding, massages. 
For I mean, yes, <laughs> we got to snowboard three days a week. I picked it for a particular reason. I mean, yeah. I mean, um, listen, if I gotta go to rehab and I gotta stop drinking and drugging, I'm gonna need some comfort. We're gonna do it right. So amazing place, right? It was. Uh, it was I don't know if I can name names on here. Is that sure? You just Jay Walker Lodge, uh, phenomenal. And they don't sponsor center. us, so you can yeah. say what you want. Yeah, phenomenal treatment center, and they they focus on steps one, two, and three the whole nine days you're there. And I got a lot out of it. Mm. Right? Um, ended up, you know, building a great community there in in Carbondale with a bunch of solid guys that were doing the same thing. Um, you know, we got to do a lot of you know, rock climbing, mountain biking, you know, snowboarding, all kind of stuff. Did that start to um, introduce you to the importance of fellowship and having that friendship with like-minded people. That was the beginning of me understanding the community aspect of recovery. Yeah. And to be honest, like I stayed sober for two and a half years and it was solely based on the community, right? Mm-hmm. I had no real recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, I was sober and I had worked the steps. You were what we call white knuckling it. Correct. Like once I got through the steps, I never did step 12, mm-hmm. right? So I ended up just going and doing my thing. You know, yes, guys asked me to sponsor them, but we went mountain biking and rock climbing and talked right. recovery. Yeah. Like there was no opening a book. You're, you're sort of like a, a pseudo therapist. Correct. They come to you with problems. You talk to them yeah. about it, give them some advice. Yeah. And yeah. My, my favorite thing to tell sponsors at the time was do as I say, not as I do. Because I was doing a lot of things <laughs> you should not be doing. Oh, I love that. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. So, you know, two and a half years and, you know, quickly my, my uncle got diagnosed with cancer. Oh, wow. You know, so, uh, we actually brought him here to Houston and MD Anderson to get treated. And within three months it was game over. Oh, wow. And I had to see, you know, I watched the entire thing, you know, um, sober, sober. So you got to be there for it. Yes. And, you know, I'm grateful for that. And, you know, the reason I bring that up is it, it kind of destroyed my relationship with, like, religion. Mm. And because if value. there was a God, how could he take him? Correct. Like, he was one of the best guys I ever met, yeah. and watching him die suffering was mm. rough. That has to be. So, you know, I went back to, to work in Breckenridge after that, and um, within a short period of time, back to the same old thing. Because what we find in the fellowship, in the 12-step world, is that when things are good— you know, if I'm just hanging out, if I'm just going to meetings or I'm just fellowshipping, I'm not really using the tools. I'm not really doing the spiritual walk per se, mm-hmm. right? Um, when we hit the certain trials and low spots of life, we have no tools to get through it sober. Yeah. And, and that's basically what happened, right? So I went back to work in Breckenridge. I didn't stay connected with the guys I got sober with. I wasn't going to meetings. I had zero recovery in my life. It was just chasing money, the ego, the pride, the Mm -hmm. stuff, you know, the the things that I thought at the time were important and, you know, just very superficial, you know, shallow. And, and what, what I would say to somebody in the 12 step world, if they were to tell me that is like, it sounds like you had no choice. Right. Uh, zero defense. Yeah. yeah. Zero defense against the first drink, zero defense against the first rail of cocaine, whatever it is. And then once I put that in my body, I have little, no control over the amount I'm going to take because I have an allergy to that stuff. And the allergy is I want more. Yeah. And the first time was, you know, hundred percent back. So how long and what does it look like before you got sober this time? This time, uh, probably, so that was five, I'd say Eight years, maybe. Did you go on an eight-year run, or was there any so clean points in there? There were some clean points, right? So I, I, I tried, um, 
cleaning myself up at one point and, you know, went back to, to Carbondale and lived with, you know, a friend of mine that I got, I got sober with, um, you know, stayed for a, a year or so. And then I was chasing money and chasing a job. I had to get a job. Right. So I took a job in Arizona and took off. Yeah. Uh, same field and, you know, went back to same old thing. You know, yep. once again, I, I showed up, I went to a few meetings here and there, but you know, eventually it was just, you know, work and women and, you know, stuff. That was what drove yep. me. I, I always tell guys that I sponsor and we sit down for the first time. I always tell them you're going to go one of two directions. You're going to go right. And you're going to chase fixing your finance, romance, relationships, or you're going to go left and you're going to go all in on the 12 steps. You are going to go all in on the program of recovery. And if you go right, you will fail, right? <laughs> or you'll get so miserable that really drinking is a better idea. Yeah, it just depends on how long. Yeah. Oh, and it can be a while, right? Yeah. Or you're going to go left. You're going to go toward the 12-step fellowship, toward the program, work every bit of it. And the, the reality is, is that I get a relationship with God out of that and God takes care of everything on the right. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of benefits, you know, in my opinion, where it's just, you know, repairing some of the wreckage and changing some of your character defects and paying attention to the ego, the pride, you know, all those things mm -hmm. that, that keep us, you know, drunk and high. I remember meeting you when you first got sober this time and there was some certain like hard line nose in your world. And that was pretty much anything that has taken you out in the past, you didn't want anything to do with. Yeah. Well, your first days of recovery, you weren't dating, talking to women, being around women. You weren't, I mean, you were serious. You And, and tell me about that. So tell me about, you've been through a rocky road for 19 years, almost 20 years. Mm. What does it look like this time? Why this time? Why with so many attempts before, what stuck? So it kind of starts with me coming back into the rooms and that whole story, mm -hmm. you know, because at that point, I was completely lost. I knew that I was going to die or go to prison, you know, and I wanted to, I kind of wanted both of them. I was happy with both of them, mm -hmm. like a relief at that point. Right. Um, you know, in short story is, you know, I had the, the run in with the police that I should have been doing life in prison and mm -hmm. somehow miraculously didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, so looking back at like a lot of these scenarios in my life where for me, it was the end of the road. Like I should have died. I should have gone in prison and I didn't. And there's a number of those situations. So like you start to realize that you're here for a better, for a bigger purpose. You have to, right? At least that's the way I looked at it because I was so low. Like to me, there was zero out. I was done. Well, and, and the other thing I want to highlight is that your 20 year run, right? Your 20 year in and out, your 20 year up and down, your 20 year in and out of addiction, in and out of alcoholism, you led a successful life. Outside looking in, yes. You weren't under a bridge. You weren't homeless. You weren't, I mean, you had, you owned a company one time. You had all of these things going on, right? And and so, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. So I remember a conversation with my, my old man one day when things got really bad. And I called him up and I was having like a panic attack, all anxiety. And I'm telling him what's going on. And he's like, why? You know, you have the business, you have the girl, you have the house, you have all, he's listing all these superficial, mm -hmm. you know, things. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know right. what to tell you. Right. None of it's working. Yeah. And, and I think what we have found in the fellowship and found in our journey is that you have real validation and you have counterfeit. And what I've found is that there is absolutely nothing 
in my external world that can give me valid, real validation. It's all counterfeit. The only thing I can get is from that power greater than myself, which we call God. Yeah. All right. So you got sober. So when we get back, I want to talk about uh, quickly your journey to sobriety. Um, but I want to get into kind of what's happened to you in the last two years and where you're at and what are the high points, the low points, um, you know, what that looks like. Sounds good. What, uh, did you go to a rehab this time or did you go? I did. You did? Yeah. And it, this time you were ready though. I, it wasn't the treatment, but yes, I was ready. You know, I love it. Yeah. It, it's funny. Um, Heather has the same kind of story. I think she went to five rehabs before she finally got sober. When you ask her like, what's what, what was different? Most people say, I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know, but something was, and I was mm-hmm. ready and I accepted it. Yeah. So. Beaten and broken. Yep. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're back. Yeah. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. Donnie Mosier in studio. Um, Heather is out heathering around town. I don't really know what she's... <laughs> You know, here's the thing. I love to make fun of her. And and in studio with me is Jason, one of my closest friends in the 12-step fellowship and just in life. Hi, Jason. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I give Heather a hard time, but she's one of the most solid people I know. So I should probably, I won't say this while she's in studio. Yeah, you should back that up. I I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't want her to get a big head, but she is honestly one of the most solid people I know. Um, she removed $77,000 on my credit. Using my money, but still, <laughs> she managed it and had it done in two That's years. It's kind of like right? Catherine for me. She's trying to help me with mine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I find that women are really, really solid in, in, in a lot of areas that they don't get credit for. Just budgeting in general. Yeah. Budgeting, uh, being a solid foundation of faith, a rock to lean on. You know, but anyways, um, and actually, I make a lot of fun of her, but I think she's doing a fifth step right now. Oh, good for her. No. No, let's look at the fact. We record on Friday at 1 p.m. The beach. She's shirking her work responsibilities to do 12-step work. You know what? You know what? I take back everything I said. It's terrible. She's trying to stay recovered. Oh, you know. No, but uh, she's, yeah, so that's why she's out today, actually. So we had somebody come up to us recently and say, was was the FBI really investigating Heather over something I had made a joke about? (laughs) (laughs) I I should probably be careful with that. Nice. Yeah. All right, so. What does your getting sober look like? So, I mean, obviously this time around, it was very different, right? Because I was at the point where, to me, there was no out. Like, I didn't think I was going to survive. I mean, I told family members to walk away. You know, I was like, this is going to end badly. You were done. For sure. And I just had zero faith that I was going to stay sober. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and while I was in treatment, I, I started reading, obviously, the big book and you know, Refuge Recovery and, and a lot of philosophy and just random things like to, seeking yes and really putting some effort into it and and i was so miserable at the time the my thinking my philosophy was what's the worst that could happen mm-hmm. you know i get sober life gets better terrible you know? right so right. you know i read a couple books and, and one in particular was talking about you know having you know your your recovery 12-step program you know some therapy and you know uh in his philosophy, it was Buddhist principles, right? Mm-hmm. But a, so a spiritual, a spiritual, spiritual aspect, yeah. 
And that just made a lot of sense to me. So it's not just, you know, the, the recovery program. It's also therapy mm-hmm. and some type of spirituality. Right? Well, I mean, and our literature says that, that the 12-step fellowship you and I belong to is not for everything. There's a certain thing that it helps, but there's certain times and, and we need outside help. Yeah, and it was just that moment that clicked for me, right? Mm-hmm. Even though that's in a lot of different books, it just happened to be yeah. in that moment I was receptive to it. Just your, like Your eyes allergy. were open, your ears were open. Yeah, yeah, just like I knew allergy and obsession for 10 years, but it never really made sense to me because <laughs> right. I didn't get <laughs> Right. <laughs> so regardless, I mean, at that point, I was just ready to do anything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and just like you and I talked about earlier, it's like you met me and I was staying away from women. You know, I had to stay a certain number of meetings. I wanted to, to work the program quickly and thoroughly. And I was 100% in. Yep. Just like with most things in my life, like if I'm committed and something I want to do, it's game on. You right. know, we're going 100 miles an hour in one direction. And and that's something that I try and pay attention to as well mm-hmm. because I do want to have some balance. And, and But what you did early on was 100% game on one direction yeah, at that toward time, this 12-step fellowship. At that time, there, that was all I focused on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, during that year, I mean, geez, what happened during that year? I mean, your first year sober, I, it's, you know, it's funny. I'm So I'm 10 years in. Mm-hmm. And I heard somebody say this to me, not to me, I think they were speaking a few years ago. And I was thinking in my head, like, I don't, that doesn't compute. Mm -hmm. But what he said was, you know, when I was five years sober, all I wanted to be was 10 years sober. And now I'm 10 years sober and all I want is that first year again. I could see that. I mean, your first year, if you're all in. Yeah. It means your fellowship and your, like, you have a whole new host of friends. It's fun. Well, and also I didn't have a job. You know, so <laughs> that's good times. <laughs> so I could do really whatever I wanted. And I focused on, you know, going to meetings, staying connected. I did, um, you know, a bunch of conventions mm-hmm. and, and tried to get connected there and get service commitments and just always had something going on. Sponsoring. Everything. Yep. You know, within Dinner 45 coffee days, after a meeting. I was sponsoring people. Yeah. So my schedule was just packed with all kind of stuff. And I always had something to do. Um. You know, within a few months, I think it was six months in is when I had to finally get a job or really the job came to me because I was at the time I was like, I don't need to work. I don't need to be in sales. I don't need to you know, have that that drama and, and the ego and the pride that comes with, you know, those types of jobs. I'm worried about the stress. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I wanted to focus on my recovery. And, you know, this opportunity presented itself like so many things in my life that are just like the little miracles that you notice along the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it felt right. Like I knew right off the bat that it was the right decision to make. And God I talk, was starting to make a change. Yeah, and I, I still talk to other people, right? So I, everything I was doing at that time, I was running it by multiple people to get mm. other you know, insight. And what so you were not only open to the complete, we have this triangle in our program. It's a circle triangle. And around the triangle, it says recovery, unity, and service. Mm-hmm. You were all in on that. You were open to all of it, but you were also open to taking input from others who had experience. I had to because I knew like my thought process was way off. So, you know, I, I spent that first year just trying to really connect with, you know, the spiritual side of the program, you know, I had been through the steps. I'm working with others. So I wanted to stay connected with the guys that I was trying to work with mm-hmm. um, and just trying to maximize and and really find like a foundation right mm-hmm. so i wanted to put um all the actions and work i put in to like a, a standard not like a schedule but just make sure i was doing all those things and mm-hmm. had like a foundation for my recovery something we noticed right away 
So Heather and I frequently have pool parties. We have gatherings at the house, potluck, everybody come on. It's usually from two or three in the afternoon till two in the morning. People come hang out. Everybody's so, well, most of the time people are sober. <laughs> we always have that one person that thinks nobody's going to know they're getting messed up. Mm-hmm. We are professionals. For sure. You and Heather could spot an opiate from a mile away if somebody's doing it, and I could spot drunk from a mile away, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's funny. But anyways, you were there every time. Yeah. Like, we could set our watch by Like, you have consistently, unless something's going on, you are always at these gatherings of what we call the family. Yeah, and it was, I needed that. You know, I needed to really connect with the people that I was getting sober with and find... So find the people that had more time than me, yeah. right? Just to kind of get some insight and and understand, you know, the challenges that we face, you know. And I'm trying to think of the things over the years. I mean, there were a couple of amends that I had to make that mm-hmm. I really didn't want to. You know, I still have some family issues that we're working out, um, you know, and just dealing with those things as well as trying to start my life over, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of the challenge is finding that balance between you know, your recovery and like your personal life and your work. Mm. And I don't know that that balance <laughs> is ever found. It's an illusion, right? But it's still something that you have to pay attention you gotta to. You got to calibrate. Yeah. So the first year, alcohol's gone. I got this whole new family, this whole new group, this everything. My life is great. What about year two? So year two, uh, oh man, year two for me was having a child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Finding a, a happy, healthy relationship that was, you know, not, um, not, not negative, right? right? So most of my relationships in the past had all sorts of complications and problems and red flags and, and just weren't healthy relationships. Definitely not your girl today. No, no. And that's, you know, one of the, the many blessings you know, mm-hmm. I've last over the last couple of years is just finding that situation. That God sends us a helper because we need it. You get what you need in the moment, right? And of course, I'm I am praying and meditating and asking for help, and mm-hmm. and it seems like every time I get into a situation where like that stress or that pressure is on, and I'm asking for help, I get what I need, regardless of whether it's exactly what I'm thinking or what mm-hmm. I wanted. It's just if I'm looking back, those things were given to me eventually, right? You know. And and I think in year two, you start running into the internal stuff, right? The beginning year is, hey, great, alcohol's gone, but then you start running into the, the internal. Yeah, and you're still, I guess that first year, you're kind of on that pink cloud that they talk yeah. about. Like, everything's good. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. I'm going to have to bring you back again. Don't forget Matthew's Hope, 844-263-4673. Those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Hashtag God, though.